Welcome to episode 35 of Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and I am your host. Our subject is discernment, and our aim is to teach, to elevate your minds, and to exalt your courage, to accelerate and animate your industry and activity, and to excite in you an ambition to excel in every capacity, faculty, and virtue. Our mission is to inspire young men and women and their parents to understand the present in order to prepare for the future, a task that necessarily demands a proper interpretation of the past. Our aim is to highlight the antithesis between the way of the Lord and the ways of the world, between the truth of Scripture and the opinions of men, so that we might reflect the light of life in a culture of death. Well, my icebergs, have you ever played Connect the Dots or as we used to call it when I was a child growing up, dot to dot. I have. Yes. Yeah. Those little games for children comprised essentially of the dotted outline of an image. You can picture it, right? Of a bird or a dog or a tractor or a farm tool. Or for the more sophisticated, maybe a hamburger with lettuce and tomato protruding from the bun. Or an airplane or a castle, right? What's the distinguishing feature of these images? What, pardon the pun, what connects them? The lines between the dots. <laughs> well, before that, though, in all of those images, and I just made up some or, or, or remembered some from my childhood, the bird, the dog, tractor, farm, hamburger, with lettuce and tomato, castle, airplane, those are all different categories of items, right? But in a dot-to-dot -dot book or a connect-the-dots book, what is the distinguishing feature? Instead of straight lines... Uh, they're like a bunch of little curved lines that you connect the dots. Oh, well, I, I didn't think about that. I was going to say, you can't see the picture until you've connected the dots. Well, really? Always? The simple ones, no, the you simple can look at the dots and say, yes. oh my gosh. Oh, I know. But yeah, the, the more complicated the dots are, the more fun they are. And I forgot that sometimes in very elementary level ones, they do put some of the lines in there for you. Yeah, but the, distingui the distinguishing feature, is it not, is that instead of these real lines that you would have if you drew a picture, is that the edges or borders are comprised of multiple dots, mm -hmm. right? And uh -huh. each dot bears a number. So the job of you or the child, whoever's playing the game, is to place your pen or pencil on dot number one and then to identify and proceed to dot number two. Once you find dot number two, then you draw a line with your pen or pencil connecting dot number one to dot number two. Then what do you do? Go from two to three. That's right. <laughs> you go to look for dot number three. And once that is identified, you then draw another line from dot two to three and so on and so forth. Now, in beginner dot to dot games, they are rather unsophisticated. And by that, I mean that anyone can decipher the image that it is supposed to be before pulling out his pencil or pen to begin connecting the dots. I remember getting dot-to-dot -dot books from my grandfather when I was sick at home from school. Maybe I had the flu or something, elementary school. Not well enough to do math or social studies, but well enough to sit up at home under a blanket or a chair. Not under a chair. <laughs> under in, a chair. <laughs> in a chair with a blanket. Anyway, before pulling out my pen or even what we used to call magic markers, which were colored ink markers with a variety of smells, by the way, here's... Consider how ironic this is. We had the admonition from teachers always not to smell your markers, right? They're, they could be containing toxins, 
And yet, whenever we would get a new set of markers, they weren't just interesting, but they actually had lemon. The yellow ones smelled like lemon. The blue ones smelled like blueberry. Green ones, lime or apple. Red ones, cherry. So they purposely flavored them or gave them enticing smells and said, don't smell them. Don't smell. I digress. This is all before Sharpies, by the way. Anyway, I would first scan the entire book of dotted images to find the best ones or the ones that I thought would be most fun to connect. I'd spend maybe 30 minutes flipping pages to find the most interesting patterns, filling them out, connecting the dots, finishing my favorite images before getting bored because the depictions the depictions were too easy. By the way, and you may remember this, once someone has finished the best or most difficult images in a dot-to-dot book, it's pretty useless. <laughs> yeah. We had multiple unfinished or incomplete dot-to-dot books in the game closet at Sunday school or the coloring book cupboard at home. And you go through them and there's all the good ones are gone and there's only the easy ones left. Yeah. <laughs> Four so, dots. That's exactly right. So once the best pictures were dotted or solved, what's the point of wasting your time with the more obvious ones? Occasionally, however... I would be given or would come across a more complicated book where the images were more sophisticated and where it was such, it was very much more difficult to determine what in the world is that or what's intended to be depicted by the sequence of dots all over the page. In some instances, it had looked like some of the pages were infested with chickenpox or had been shot up with a BB gun. The mystery was seductive. What's that? A banana or a sliding board? Are those wheels on a truck? Or donuts. (laughs) Or reels of film on an old movie projector? What at first glance appears to be a tree falling over a couple of railroad tracks is, you discover, once the dots are connected, actually an image of a downhill ski jumper in mid-flight leaning over his skis. And what you initially thought were pine cones all over the ground, before you connected the dots, were actually the people, the audience at the bottom of the hill, watching the ski jump. And on all of these pockmarked pages, the dots were all out of sequence, requiring you to diligently search before drawing each line. Oh, they capture your attention drawing you in, pardon the pun, because maybe dots number one, two, and three are in a straight line. But then just as you get comfortable and overconfident with what you think is coming next, you realize that dot number four is at the back left at a rather odd angle from dot number three. And if you were moving too quickly or confidently, You'd have to pull out your eraser to fix the problem. And the pages, by the way, as you may recall, were very cheap quality. Can you picture that off-white or... Yeah, it's kind of a grayish paper. Yeah, grayish or khaki-colored paper. (laughs) Yeah. Found in coloring books and other children's materials. So an eraser can pretty much destroy the page, ripping a hole in it or at least creating an indelibly bumpy, rough surface, you know, with those little... Paper fibers intermingled with rubber. Kind of like this mm-hmm. texture. Yeah, kind of, kind of like that library book that um, Penelope has here. Furry. Don't pull out your eraser or, or use ink in that library book. I won't. And if you had, by the way, been using an ink pen, then you kind of ruined the image and had to tear it out or move on. And how many times have you come into a, a Sunday school or somebody's house that has games and you pull it out and not only are the best ones finished, but... There's also ones which... Oh, pa- <laughs> pages are completely ripped out. I was going to say there's ones which are finished, but they have lines going all over the place where the people messed up. That's right. So if the dots are not properly connected, the result was either A, the wrong image, or something totally indecipherable, or the page itself was completely obliterated by ink, eraser marks, rips, and tears. Either way, the damage 
was permanent. When we get back, I'm going to ask the icebergs whether they can draw any parallels or conclusions, whether they are able to connect the dots as to what is happening in our culture today. You're listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. So I wrote a little book all the way back in 2009 to address what was happening in America and what was likely to happen if we did not take corrective action. Unfortunately, too many of my predictions are coming true. The only surprise is the speed at which we have reached the precipice. The title of that little book is The Experts, and you can buy it on our webpage. Just go to JesusAndTheMeteorologist.com, click the image of the little brown book, and we'll send it to you for only $9.99. And then be sure to let me know what you think. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist, a weekly squidget devoted to the topic of discernment. My name is Kevin Kukaji, and I'm your host. Unfortunately, because it is summer, it is a bit of a challenge to maintain our inventory of icebergs. This is not to say that they're melting, of course. I refer you to some of our first couple of episodes where the character of an iceberg is plainly set forth. So no, our icebergs are definitely not melting. Not possible. I think they're just floating away for a while, for work, family vacations, other responsibilities, maybe just sleeping in, shopping. <laughs> so today Hogan. we are accompanied. Hogan. <laughs> Hogan. Hogan, if you're out there, are you shopping? You're, if you're listening shopping to this, Shopping at Tractor Hogan. Supply. Shopping at Lowe's. Lowe's. <laughs> Lowe's. All right. Or maybe a guitar center or something. Or a hat shop, a cowboy hat cowboy shop. Cowboy hat, yeah. Painting a good image of Hogan. Okay, today we're accompanied by only two icebergs. Your names are? Roger. And Penelope. All right. You know us well. We're All right, my <laughs> Squidgetville icebergs. Yes. <laughs> Again, for those who may have been busy with summer activities or caught off guard by the Squidgetville reference. Refer you back to episode 33, but I digress. Let's now enter the... Palaces of Analysis. Why did I begin today's episode with a long discussion of the childhood, childhood game of Dot to Dot? What am I getting at? Did you have a dream about it last night or something? No. Perhaps I should have asked you no. whether you see the dots that I have placed on the page, figuratively speaking... And is my image decipherable? Are you able to connect the dots to reveal my plan? To, to why, why are we talking about dot to dot? Entire tri-state area. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about dot to dot. Phineas and Ferb reference to yeah. those. If you don't know that reference, I don't know. Okay. Why, yes, yes, I do. <clears throat> um, why am I talking about dot to dot? Are I, we just, is this whole program going to be about children's books? <laughs> no, I no. think you're talking about dot to dots. Because you started with, Bill Gates and stuff, or did we? Was that in the pre-show? No, you're telling show? people about what's coming. <laughs> Sorry, wow, I forgot whether or not we were. That's recording. a little look under the covers or uh, behind the door. Well, we're, we're going to talk about Bill Gates, yes, but okay, it has something. To, it well, all right. To try not to disclose too much information out of sequence, you're talking about dot to dots, um, to talk about connecting the dots between like people's actions and what's going on and going on in the world. Yeah. Kind of. When? Now. Now. Right. And in the 
It's a metaphor, isn't it? Connecting the dots. Or we could make an analogy about how so many people are, are unable to decipher the images so plainly outlined right in front of their eyes, or they're unwilling to pick up their pen to connect the dots. So let's talk about some of the issues of the day. How about the, um, the issue of gun control? Usually mm. starts with, let's, let, let's paint the picture with dots first, right? Usually starts with some politicians saying, guns are bad, right? Not people. The guns, guns, right? The guns are bad. Then what happens? Then either, well... well then there's a shooting somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. Interestingly, how it's always timed after some big political announcement, and then well, lo and behold, there just happens to be a shooting in some neighborhood the next week or some school or some grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. And following that, we have what? What typically follows that event? Protests and laws. Well, before, long before you get to laws, yeah, you have protests, which seem to be really well orchestrated, right, and organized. Yeah, everywhere you see, must ban guns. Guns are bad. All over Nobody the country. needs an AR-15. Uh, all over the country, you have these pop-up rallies and protests, which seemed so conveniently timed. I mean, they happen within 24 hours, and you these long pieces written about the subject matter the specific event that happened, okay, then you move to, let's pass, legislation, right? And as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, it's not laws that amend people's behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And then boom. So we, we have a sequence of events that, uh, and by the way, if it doesn't have to happen the first time, we see it on multiple occasions, right? Okay, that wasn't enough to change the law. Let's let's see if we can't infiltrate infiltrate some group or infiltrate and encourage some vulnerable person to carry out these acts and boom, 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 literally. Oh, now you get the point. Now we need to change the laws, right? Yep. Okay. Let me shift to a different subject. How about uh, the claim that we are racist or homophobic? Again, always begins with some political announcement, right? All of you people are racist, racist or homophobic, right? Calls us names. Lo and behold, I don't know if you saw this a couple of weeks ago, U-Haul pulls up to a transgender event and several skinny masked men wearing uniforms with the same offensive titles emblazoned on the back, but looking strangely like federal agents appear at this rally. And then they're arrested, taken away before anybody can identify them again because they have masks. By the way, it's a dead giveaway. When these infiltrated groups are, are masked like criminals to hide their true identities. We never learn who they are or infrequently. And they're always much better organized than ordinary citizens that one would find at a true a rally for freedom or something like mm -hmm. that, right? So again, we have an announcement by some political figure. Then we have an affirming event. Nothing to see there. We have an arrest. And then we have a proposal for legislation or taking away your freedoms because these, this little circus or orchestrated sequence of events has proven what the politicians said, which is kind of amazing. Okay, let's talk about kind one of the most... Uncanny. Yeah. Strange, right? Okay, let's talk about one of the most... <laughs> I think There not. is no... We're going to do an episode on that, by the way. The fact in, that there's... In, in Hebrew, yeah, there's no, there's no word for coincidence. <clears throat> Tip for the future. Okay, let's go over the most obvious 
in the past couple of years. Well, it's come to the surface in the past couple of years. And that is something that Roger hinted about, sort of broke the ice and gave away what was coming. 20 years ago, Bill Gates developed a patent for a gene-altering drug designed to combat or alleged to combat coronaviruses. Hmm. Nobody knew about it then because, well, nothing was happening about coronaviruses publicly. Then on or about 2015, Bill Gates gives a TED Talk predicting a coming worldwide virus or saying, what would happen if this came about? Move up to uh, the fall of 2019 and Bill Gates and leaders from all over the world have this conference where they talk about how do we address the potential for the escaping of a coronavirus. Hmm. And then poof, a couple months later, we actually hear about this strange new virus, or they call it a novel virus. It was actually comprised like 85% of every other coronavirus, or its, its contents were, suddenly appears. And so we're confronted by this out of the blue unprecedented viral danger that happens to arrive, by the way, just in time to institute a worldwide lockdown and change in election laws during an election year of a president that the people who were driving this narrative hated, viscerally hated and despised. And then the next dot is a rapid worldwide distribution and sudden availability of this untested and still not, as of today, still not FDA-approved drug to allegedly protect against this virus, a drug, by the way, that was discovered to correspond with this surprise virus, followed then, next dot, by the introduction of so-called vaccine passports, which had actually been in development long before the virus ever surprised us. So if those are not enough dots to convey the image of what is going on, there are literally hundreds of others that can be placed on the page. One of the reasons that some of our friends and neighbors are unable to discern what is happening right in front of their eyes, is that they view events how? Icebergs. What's one of the primary reasons, if we take those, those sequence of events or those dots, why are people, some people, unable to discern what's happening? Because they look at those dots what? In isolation. In isolation, that's right, one at a time. They hear Joe Biden say that there's a food shortage coming. They shrug their shoulders and move on. A week later, they learn that the Biden administration is reducing rail delivery of nitrogen to farmers by about 20%. So what, they say. Two weeks later, concerned friends show them evidence of millions of chickens being intentionally killed by the owner of the chicken farm. That's sad, they reply. A few days later, another friend reveals to them that multiple food distribution centers at various places across America have suddenly and without explanation burned down or exploded. Wow, that's kind of random, they say. Perhaps. Perhaps someone might be excused for missing the object of some of these events if viewed in isolation. Although the sequence, by the way, and the volume alone is too much to be ignored. But anyone who does not already see the image by virtue of how the dots are arranged on the page can simply by doing what? Connecting the dots. Connecting the dots can understand the plans of our adversaries. Discernment requires that we view the facts and circumstances as a whole. 
Now, some children see the dots on the page and immediately recognize the image represented by the combination of dots. We talked about that, right, in the simple books. Sometimes some of the dots are even connected for us. Mm -hmm. Others are not able to figure it out until they begin connecting the dots, stopping halfway with an, oh, I see now, right? You know what it's going to be. This this is not going to be a tree leaning against railroad tracks. It's a skier, right, Uh over his skis. When you said that, you sound like our old neighbor, Crosby. Oh, I see it now. <laughs> we just can't tell anybody where we live, so they don't know who that player... Nope. Player, player, player. Player. hockey. <clears throat> Still, Crosby, Sydney Crosby. Sydney. Still, others remain puzzled until they finish connecting every single dot, whereby they exclaim with a eureka-like moment, Oh, it's a cup of poison, not a cup of Kool-Aid. But eventually, all children connect the dots and see what is right before their eyes, calling it out and identifying it out loud. The danger in our day is that adults are unable to decipher the enemy's plans so plainly outlined before them, and they refuse to pick up their pens to connect the dots. When we get back... We're going to examine what the Bible says about the best means of discernment. You are listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists. There are citizens in Tennessee working to reclaim the practice of self-governance in our state and ensure that a constitutional, Republican form of government is preserved to future generations. We are Tennessee Stands. Do you want to get off the sidelines and learn how to stand for liberty in your community? Join us at TennesseeStands.org and on social media at Tennessee Stands. Welcome back to Jesus and the Meteorologist. My name is Kevin Kukaji and I am your host. So, my icebergs, what does the Bible tell us about how to acquire a discerning mind, a, another way of saying to connect the dots. The whole counsel of God, the entire word from beginning to end, is filled with direction and guidance on how to connect the dots, as it were, or how to be discerning. We could maybe, for today's episode, say instead of our topic is discernment and our aim is to teach, we could say our topic is to connect the dots and our aim is to teach. So, can you cite anything from Scripture that starts to give us some hints or guides, uh, Penelope? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. In Proverbs one seven, God says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning." Of, sorry. Beginning. <laughs> it's the beginning. <laughs> In Proverbs one seven, God says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning." Of- <laughs> <laughs> wow! Wow! <laughs> Try one more Southern time. Accents Third really time coming out. In Proverbs 1-7, God says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all knowledge, but yes. fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, that's a great start. There's our starting point. Roger, where else might we find some instructions on how to acquire a discerning mind um, before you go there? Colossians 2, 22-33. It's actually Colossians 2, 20 through 23. Okay. Say it with me. Since you died with Christ, Christ to the, the elemental, elemental spiritual forces, forces of, of this world, 
wise and who still belong to the world do submit to its rules. Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom, with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. All right. So that makes a distinction between sound like the following <laughs> makes a distinction between following the ways of the world, which can be confusing, versus rooting yourself first in the scriptures to give you a really it puts the right lens on everything that you view, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, in the interest of time, I want to focus on one other passage for now, and then Roger, I've asked you to pull that up if you would. Romans twelve. Verses 1 and 2. All right. Romans 12, 1 through 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh Uh-huh. Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Remember our episode talking about patterns of this world? I wish I had the actual number in my head. If I were more prepared, I could have. But you can find it on the show descriptions where we talk about the patterns of this world. I would say it's maybe around 10-ish back there. But the Bible says to be transformed. How? By the renewing of your mind. Of your mind, right? The renewing of your mind. So first... The starting point is how you think of things, your whole orientation, right? Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. One might paraphrase this passage here by saying, then you will be able to connect the dots. That's how we find out what God's good, pleasing, and perfect will is. That's all the time we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks again to our icebergs, our producer, and to all of our listeners and supporters. In the never-ending battle for hearts and minds, we aim to find and develop young men and women who, like the men of Issachar, understand the times and who know what to do. One might say the men of Issachar connected the dots, yes? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And how can we know what we're to do unless unless we we believe believe what what is is true. true? My name is Kevin Cookagee, and you've been listening to Jesus and the Meteorologists.